Welcome to Arrow Devastation, the weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? Um, uh, the pandemic ended today, so that's nice. Yeah, Freedom Day, isn't it? That's what they're all calling it. Yeah, I can I can go out and do whatever I want now, um, and I feel I feel good about the state of the world. Fully, fully I was going to ignore agree. everything until <laughs> actually everything is fine, because otherwise I'd be horribly depressed. Yep. Cool. Well, you're not the only uh, host that we have this week, are we? We're also joined by uh, a good friend of yours, I believe. We have Chris Jarvis on the podcast. Welcome, Chris. Evening. Uh, I think you introduced me as a host there, which was quite grandiose. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> I don't know what I'm hosting, but I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, all right. I'm feeling a, a little bit ropey. Um, I uh, quite foolishly stayed out to watch the wrestling last night, so I'm um, a little worse for wear. But um, but but hanging on. Ah, one of those WWE marks, are you? Yeah, I I, I grew up on it. I haven't been able to move away to anything else. Occasionally, I'll watch some AEW, bit of Impact, but um, I've dabbled in New Japan, but always returned to uh, Vince McMahon's little empire. Yeah, yeah, fully, fully undermining. I guess I used to understand that, but I, I don't know. We could turn this into a wrestling podcast very easily, but we're not going to go. We're not going to go there. Is it Magic the Gathering podcast? Gonna, I was just going to say you can just. I can just leave. <laughs> and you, you can just discuss wrestling for an hour. That's totally fine. Sounds great to me. Because I so. have, I have no knowledge whatsoever on that subject. That's not true. We wouldn't spend. It, Is it not? We wouldn't spend an afternoon playing here. Can SmackDown? Here comes the plane on the PS2. Oh, um, yeah, but that doesn't count as knowing wrestling, and, does it? Well, it does. You you got the concept of quick, get the ref out of the ring and kick him. I completely forgot about that. I distinctly remember you finding Shawn Michaels' entrance music hilarious. I'm sure it is. Well, you've got an excellent memory. I do. <laughs> it's a part of my life I felt like I've repressed. But <laughs> k- k- kicking the ref out of the ring and then attacking him is probably a good strat, right? Yeah. Amazing, amazing. How could, how could you repress Sexy Boy? That's a very good question, but I th- yeah. I'm guessing Sam doesn't understand. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible, is incredible. That, is that the theme music? That yeah. is the theme is music, yeah. Okay. He's well, that's just probably a sexy why boy. I found it funny. I think yeah. I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the looks. I've got the, make the girls, the girls go wild. wild. Yeah. I'm just yeah, that's a probably why boy. I found that funny. <laughs> why, why are you surprised that I found that amusing? <laughs> what's, what's hilarious about that 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 theme, that theme is like it made sense with like Shawn Michaels' gimmick in the late '90s. Then when he returned as a born again Christian and had like a really serious <laughs> character, and he's in his like '40s coming out to I'm just a sexy boy, I'm not your boy toy. Completely <laughs> divorced from like that's all his gimmick. It's yeah. a very different vibe. <laughs> I mean, there were there were definitely objectively correct phrases there, just for very different reasons. Now, <laughs> cool. So we have brought you on the podcast this week uh, because you are a complete outsider to Magic the Gathering. Um, Do you indeed, have yeah. any? Yeah. So, what is your experience at all with with, with the game or your knowledge of the game? Uh, I mean, I've seen Sam's cards. Some of them have got some pretty mm-hmm. pictures on them. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess, I understand the concept, right? It's you know, like a, a I guess, sort of. I mean, maybe I don't get the concept, but sort of somewhere between a, a deck building game and a trading card game. Um, I mean, like I'm familiar with like lots of deck building games, like Dominion and uh, Clank and others, but um, yeah, I've never, never taken the the plunge into into Magic. I think that's one of the most surprising things that you you have like such a 
a knowledge of everything around it, but just have never played Magic itself. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought you were going to stop there and just say you have such a knowledge of everything, and I was uh, taking the compliment, but everything around it <laughs> <laughs> is possibly slightly more accurate. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I guess it, it, it's you know like a game like Dominion is like cannabis, right? You can you can jump out whenever you want. It's nice every now and then, but I feel like <laughs> magic is very much like meth. <laughs> it's a pretty pretty apt description, I think. Yeah. Like there's no. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, colloquially, it, it does get called cardboard crack, so you're not too far off the mark. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's kind of true for my experience. Like, I've never really stuck with anything similar to it before. Like, um, like any kind of games or anything. Um, and then magic is the one thing that got its hold on me, which is weird because like I, I hadn't really had a, a, a long-term interest in anything close to magic or anything resembling it. So. I guess it's probably a good job you've stayed away because <laughs> it will just get you its claws into you. Yeah, it's it's very much one of those things where I I I feel like it's it's the greatest game of all time, but I could not recommend it to anybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's my entire life at this point, right? Like I've just finished my full day of work sorting and selling magic cards, and I'm now sitting at home recording a podcast about magic. It's my entire life. What a life it is. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm happy, so that's something, right? Could be worse. That is true. That is true. It could be a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like... <clears throat> yeah, that, well, one of the things about magic that... I mean, and again, this is talking, like... I mean, it's largely guesswork, but... One of the things that about it is that it appears, at least to me, from the outside, to have, like, an unbelievably high bar of entry. Whereas, like, you know, other... I guess, like, like I guess, like alternative um, pastimes or hobbies or cultures or whatever, right? Have like a relatively low bar of entry. You know, like you can pick up a board game, read the rule book, and then you can play that game, and then you can pick up another one and play that game. And it's relatively straightforward. You know, you can, like, I mean, I guess everything, right? So like the the like complexity of the the game and like, you know, you have like it feels like you have to make a big commitment, right, into buying like you know the like a deck of cards and like that deck needing to constantly change as new cards are released and so on um and then also like you know like how it physically like works like i mean i i know that i mean like sam you work in a magic parlor um <laughs> uh-huh. yeah i do <laughs> so so i assume those places exist right but like i don't really know you know like you know when you, you know when you take someone who's never been to subway to subway yeah and and they're like what 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 do you mean you have to choose which type of bread you want and like you you, you don't just get like a set sandwich like i, I feel like yeah. i don't you know like there's a lot of rule like rules behind like the whole like you know the arena in which it's played the concept everything beyond just like learning the like literal rules of the game um so i think it's like a multiple levels right but um that subway thing didn't really make any sense but like no i get, I, I get, I get what you mean <laughs> Uh, yeah, it makes, I mean, like, it makes like sense. You, say, like, you yeah. have a, a vague, approximate knowledge of what magic is or what you imagine it, it might be. And if I then, you know, took you down to, to a Friday Night Magic and, and tried to teach you how to play, it might be completely different to the, the idea that you built in your head. And I guess that that's. sounds like a perfect day night. <laughs> and I guess that's, that's sort of the, the subway thing, because like, people have an approximate knowledge of, of what buying a sandwich is. And then you go to Subway and it's a completely different process, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just defending your analogy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like 
I, I think it makes sense totally. It's like a completely alien concept, really. I think magic often gets compared to like a combination of, of poker and chess, but a lot of people like use that sort of, I guess, comparison or, or people who are very into the game of magic and know the game of magic itself. But if I if I you know, say to you, oh, do you fancy playing a game of chess or do you fancy game, playing a game of poker? You, you know straight away like what you need to what you need to need to do to play a game. So yeah, I mean, know the rules of poker or chess are fairly straightforward compared to magic, and you know one of us needs a chess set or a deck of cards. Whereas obviously there's, there's a lot more to it when and they don't introduce like new chess pieces, right? It's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not like a like a, a super bishop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess with uh, with chess or, or similar games, it's just iterating on the same core game, right? Like th- these pieces can move in a very specific way, and that's all they can do. And then it's your job to to try and figure out the game but then with magic there is that added level of just there being new cards all of the time and metagames shifting so certain things are bad sometimes certain things are good sometimes whereas chess it's always just you versus your opponent with exactly the same pieces and the exact same board so yeah like I mean people also call it chess with maths which is I think it's just people who play magic wanting to sound intelligent <laughs> because people who are, people who are good at chess tend to be quite intelligent people and they want to pretend they're on that level um and I don't think most of them are. I think I think it's it's that one v one sort of competitive element of chess mixed with the the RNG, the sort of randomization of poker. I think if you you know talking about it explicitly in a mechanic level, then I think it's quite a good comparison. But in terms of how sort of ingrained it is in like pop culture knowledge, like so far more people, like countless more people know what chess is or what poker is at like an early age compared to like anybody who knows what magic is. Yeah, so I mean, Chris, if you didn't know me, would you have a knowledge of magic, do you think? I mean, um, yeah, like, I think, I, if I recall correctly, I was aware of mm-hmm. magic prior to Sam uh, getting hooked. I believe we have other friends who, who had, had kind of taken their first um, hit from the bong. Uh, much much before <laughs> Sam did, um, but also yeah, I have other friends who do so, um, and like you know, I'm, I'm like I, I I'm a relatively big video and board gamer as well. So like I you know like moving in those worlds, you know the the kind of like top tier of like uh, gamer types um, tend to, to to end up in the magic world. So like yeah, definitely well familiar with it. But I guess like on that point around like <clears throat> yeah, like in terms of like chess, right? Like. You know, you don't get those like new pieces introduced that like completely skew the whole way that the game was being played. And like, similarly, like with like deck building games, like that I play, say for instance, like Dominion. Sure, they introduce a new expansion, and that introduces new dynamics. But you can still play the game with the old, um, you know, with the original. You can play with old expansions, and like you don't have that like constantly evolving stuff that like, um, yeah, like that like. And, and this is like my very peripheral knowledge like you know the, the, the like cards that would have been used 20 years ago you just can't use anymore that's my understanding of sort of how magic works um, I think that's that's true in broad strokes I mean there are some old cards that were sort of designed before they uh, as someone who's not a good game designer uh, <laughs> were not good at designing cards so there are a lot of cards that were like massively imbalanced and even by today's standards are way too good but generally, yeah, it's like so. There's a restriction, right, on 
on certain uh, ways in which you play. So you've got the, the standard format, which is generally the last two years of cards and expansions, and that that's rolling. And then there are formats that cut it off at other sort of arbitrary times. Um, so you're sort of forced to to pick to play with new cards, which I guess is part of the business model. But yeah, yeah, you can still there are still older cards you can play in certain in certain places that are still very very powerful just because they were not good at balancing cards when they first created the game. I think it's did you say that the people who are like really good at gaming gravitate towards magic is that an approximation I, of what you said I didn't say good I said like into oh okay sure here we go. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say I, I don't know if I'm just being like I'm just being mean or I'm just a curmudgeon at this point but I feel like a lot of magic players aren't good Joe I'm really worried that you get like kind of dragged down by association with the things I say on this podcast <laughs> Well, well, like, I, I mean, like... I, I think I, I agree with some of your points, but don't as strongly agree with others. But <laughs> that's a very good get out, get out of jail free when card. You... Was like, it was so diplomatic. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's it's partly true. I think that assumption is partly true because when you take into account the, the player base, so allegedly the player base of Magic: The Gathering is forty million players worldwide. Chances are that most of them. Are not going to be very good. It's you look at you look at like competitive magic and high level magic, and you take take the 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 MPL RIP for example. It was like the the top thirty two players in the world, and like they're obviously very very good at the game, and even they still make mistakes. But yeah. they're not most players in a, in a pool of forty million. You know, yeah, I think it's I think, I think I think it's fair it's... to say that most players aren't very good. Yeah, I think, and, I think and it's myself interesting like... in that. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. Like, I because I, it sort of uh, it turns off into a, a topic I want to spend a whole a whole episode on. But just like the varying levels of of being casual in terms of magic, there are people that just like whenever they see a booster pack, they'll buy it because I oh, this is a thing I do. I buy it, and they just build decks with with cards that they basically happen across, or like maybe they used to play, and like if they have a bunch of old cards, they just want to play with it again. Um, and they're casuals, and then like we're casuals, but also I feel like we're in like the top. 0.1% of people who are engaged with magic, right? I'm, I'm like, not sure you can describe running a Magic the Gathering podcast as being casual. <laughs> that's the thing. It's, like, yeah. it's interesting because like, there's loads of often like, discourse on, on Twitter with like people will say, oh, I'm a casual and then someone will say something like that, like, oh, you make you make content for the game, like you have a podcast, or you make videos or whatever. It's like, how could you be a casual? But like it, I think it's very much just an attitude. So, also, I think there are people who think that they're more than casual, whether they just play like very basic uh, magic um, and there are some people who play like you know every format of magic have very expensive collections like spend a lot of time thinking and talking about magic and maybe even writing about it but just like it's still just because I play magic for the fun right like I have yeah well maybe I do now that they've changed the organized play system but I don't really have aspirations of being the best in the world and and, and trying to compete in all these major tournaments and stuff I just do it because it's fun and I still think that's 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 still to me reads as, as casual right because I'm not trying to be a professional i'm trying to just have as much fun like squeeze as much fun at the game as i can so i think i think that's the this it's 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 interesting because like could be being part of the magic community and taking it i just think because i take it seriously but i still think i'm casual about it yeah but just there are so many there's such a like there are so many different subsets of the magic playing community that i guess anyone who doesn't play magic would would have would have no idea about yeah definitely definitely agree i guess 
that's a good question when when you hear one of us say the term casual what would you what would you think of that chris like to to you so you're sort of near zero level of magic if somebody describes himself as a, as a casual magic player what what would you make of that i mean the word casual to me would would say maybe like you know once a fortnight once a month maybe um and you know you might occasionally buy some new cards um but i, I guess yeah like the, <laughs> the term casual sound like I, I guess are you are you making the distinction between like i'm like casual as in like you're not trying to be like king of all the magics the official the official award you you know like you win all the magics and then you become king of all the magics that's it no, yeah. you know what i mean so <laughs> so mix a lot comes along and hands your crown and crowns you king of the king of all the magic yeah. who's, who's the current king of the magics there isn't there isn't like one well there's i guess uh, Paolo Vito Domo de Rosa, but yeah yeah i guess he's like the world champion currently but again like that's that just sounds like, like king of the magics yeah it's just <laughs> it's it's like one tournament that you have to like do well in a series of tournaments to get to but um so technically i guess Paolo Vito Domo de Rosa is the king of magic that sounds right yeah i'm I sure think... he'd be pleased if you described him as that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't disagree yeah, yeah so... i don't know so I guess, I guess I think the actual question, um, you, so like I guess like there's like the king of the magics and then all the people who want to be the king of the magics. And what you're saying is like a casual is someone who, you know, just does it for fun and, and wants to, doesn't want to be king of the magics and doesn't ever aspire to be and knows they're never going to be king of the magics. Um, but like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to use like, that going forward, by the way. I'm just thinking that But like, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess for me, like, you know, how, like this is like episode like 150 million of this podcast right like that doesn't mean it doesn't sound like a very mm-hmm. casual thing right that sounds like you know a habit <laughs> yeah habitual is definitely a good way to talk about it uh i, I did ask the thing i think like i think maybe the word casual in terms of magic specifically has been bastardized because like casual like like you like you said chris like it's you know once a fortnight once a month you do the thing yeah, it's but like if, if you're a casual racist, you know, you're not going to KKK rallies, <laughs> are you? Right? So like... <laughs> That's the thing, there's no, there's no commitment. Yeah. Uh, like, I, th- I, th- I don't know. I'm, I'm now definitely, uh, while recording, going to try and figure out if casual racism is a good analogy for <laughs> the casual magic players. Um, I think, I think yeah, it's, it's like, you know, every now and then down the pub. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I get well. That's the thing, but like, because I guess that that definition of this is going to come off horrible, isn't it? Um, because that that definition of 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 casual is like, it's something that you're not very involved with. Whereas, like, my definition of casual is that the way I specifically play the game is casual. Like, I'm not trying to win any tournaments or become the king of magics. Um, I'm trying to just, you know, magic is what I spend most of my time thinking about and talking about and doing so casual <laughs> exactly but like <laughs> casual i think casually my sense is like i'm not trying to get to the the end goal it's just a thing I, I do all the time but on a very like my primary the primary thing i do it for is enjoyment not for any kind of success and i think a lot of that you know there's a there's a reasonable portion of the magic community that would want success rather than the fun yeah i think I, there are a lot I of people the... who play magic and don't have fun yeah definitely i, I think the issue is that within magic words mean very specific things 
So the the term the term casual has has very different specific meanings depending on who you're talking to. Um, so I, I think it's it's quite it's quite good to get that sort of outsider perspective, that sort of take a step back and just see, you know, we're we're two people with a Magic the Gathering podcast. Uh, you know, we both uh-huh. have legacy decks. We play we play with bits of cardboard worth more than cars, but we very mm-hmm. much think that we are casual players. And I think there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of people yeah. involved in the game that would also agree on that definition. That yeah, we we are casual players because we're not tournament grinding we're not trying to spike every magic online event yeah but... i'm trying to think of a reasonable a reasonable like analog for it now is like fishing a reasonable analog to it like because there are cat people who are like casual fisher people i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know the gender neutral term for people who fish um the people who fish probably there are people who like you know who it's just like it's a pastime for them right like they do it like at the weekend or whatever yeah not. i think maybe, maybe, maybe like sports is like another analogy like like football like mm-hmm. you'll have people that might so I, I assume we would be i don't really know anything about football but my assumption is that our involvement in magic would be like people who play in like their sunday league so every yeah. week you'll go out in the park and yeah it'll be a sort of league structured mm-hmm. tournament but you're not trying to get scouted to join any teams you're not you know you know you're never going to play for manchester united or whatever so the only, the only football uh-huh. team i know <laughs> yeah, that's, still, that's still vaguely relevant that's fine yeah but uh, yeah i guess but you're still committed but, to it that's yeah that's point, it you're right? committed to it but your goal is to have fun but even that type of casual is very different to oh yeah just once a fortnight me and my friends just might have a kick around in the park yeah, someone brings a football. Yeah. That's still a casual. I don't know. We can we can get into like semantics on words if you want. That's a a place of conversation that I'm definitely technically qualified for. Um, but yeah, like it's just I think I don't know whether the I th- I honestly think the 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 gap between people who don't play Magic and the casual magic playing populace it's probably closer than people who play magic casually and people who take it seriously i think there's a more of a gulf between like me and someone who just plays magic on their kitchen table with their friends and there is between that person and chris i guess it's like well, like how seriously do you take the the games that that you play like board games and stuff chris i mean that, that's the thing right like with a board game like you know like you, you play i don't know Catan. You you trade some wood, mm-hmm. you know. You build some roads. Mm-hmm. If you're me, you always lose, and mm-hmm. then you know you, so, you you know you put it away for like three and a half months, and you might play a couple of other games in between, right? But like it's not, you you know, like I, I don't, I guess like I would never, yeah, like I don't I don't see myself as like a casual board gamer, because like yeah <laughs> yeah like. Whereas, but then again, like the, the the you know the 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 flip side of that is like you know like I've just recently started skateboarding again. I've taken okay. retaken up Excellent. that hobby. I, I'm probably in your definition of a quote unquote casual skateboarder. But you but you take that seriously when you go and do it, right? Yeah, you're trying to do the best that you can, even if that's obviously not like professional levels of skateboarding. I mean, there's no need to put me down, Sam. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that you are not going to be a professional skateboarder. You haven't seen my sweet double kickflips. No, but you're right. Yeah, <laughs> I did when you were 15. <laughs> are they still as good? Uh, I'm a little less light-footed than I was then. 
that's a that's a that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I, I guess it's it's that the level of which so you, it's sort of with for me it's that you pick an involvement level and commit to it, and that doesn't I don't know. Is that still casual? I think my definition of the word casual is just completely in the bin at this point. <laughs> and I have no idea what it means any longer. But... <laughs> yeah, I, I think the issue is is that just that particular word just means so many different things within magic. It's even that, like if you if you if you know somebody who plays magic at that sort of really casual level, they might say you know, they might say to you in conversation, Oh, do you fancy a game of magic? And to them, that's oh, it's a deck out of the cards I own. Whereas you would be like, okay, well, what format? What you know? What are we playing? We're we playing constructed. We're we playing limited. Like, are we playing commander? Are we playing over yeah. like, Magic Online or whatever? Yeah. So I think I think the word casual probably just isn't good enough as, as like a catch-all because there are so many different subcategories of that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the that's the distinction for me is like i'm i feel like i engage in magical ma- magic magical magic in a casual way <clears throat> but it's definitely committed and intentional rather than just something i do for a laugh i guess but i mean talking about casual board game players like i definitely know very serious board game players who aren't very good who <laughs> take playing board games far too seriously yeah yeah i mean like, i i guess i I mean, it's it's interesting to start. I mean, I guess what 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 you were saying, Sam, about like the difference between like you folks and the King of the Magics being gay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name that you said. Um, Alavir Donaldoroso. It's very easy. Alavir Donaldoroso. That'll be. That was close enough. The king of the the king of the magics. The uh-huh. go- <laughs> the gap between you folks and 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 the magics king, um, being bigger than like the gap between, like, your like casuals or yourselves and like ordinary folks. Um, not that you're uh-huh. not ordinary. Um, <laughs> like as 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 like someone who you know is, like I mean you know I I play a lot of video games. I play a lot of board games you know like i've historically you know like me and sam wasted many hours of our lives playing runescape um, <laughs> and you know like generally i'm like drawn towards i guess like alternative cultures, subcultures like that kind of stuff i, I feel like i'm like you know prime i'm like the the, the perfect target audience for someone to sell magic to and yet it's never hit me and i guess like i've never i guess there's two reasons one because of that like high bar to entry that i was talking about earlier and also because like i've seen like <laughs> i mean the, the, just how like much time and like uh i guess like um money and energy that like people who get into it end up putting into it and i guess like i have a super addictive personality so like would the, the back of my mind's always been like that's like, like you know, like I, I'm teetotal because I know that if I have one sip, then I'm an alcoholic, right? And like, yeah, it's <laughs> the same with magic. Yeah. So I guess, like, how would you sell magic to someone like me who should be like uh, the easiest person to convert? I guess this is part of the <laughs> part of the problem because I I very much fall into that camp and like, um, 
have a very addictive personality and i think that's why magic is such a huge part of my life because i found a thing i like and then it just it just is my life at that point uh, which probably isn't healthy but at least i'm engaging <laughs> in something that isn't personally destructive or destructive to other people um it, it's hard to it's hard to knowing like my introduction to the game it's very hard to sell someone who i think would have a similar relationship with it the game yeah that's because 100 how i yeah. feel as well like because of yeah. that that element to it it is it definitely does suit people that are into that sort of you know alternative subcultures but also have an addictive personality and it you constantly get that that hit from it for want of a better term because it it never ends there's constantly new sets being released yeah. and it's yeah it's just once it's got its claws in you like that's that's it and and people do people do you know leave the game but they they always they always find a way to come back I mean, how many times have I said I'm going to quit the game? Like half a dozen at this point? Oh, yeah. Probably? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I know. You've you've sold most, if not all, of your collection multiple times now. Yeah, well, that's one of the benefits of it, is that you normally get out most of the money you put in. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I guess that's something. <laughs> and if I ever have a cra- catastrophic personal emergency, I'll probably be okay. Um, I'll be sad, but I'll probably be okay. But um, that's the thing. I think, I think as well, like, it's... <laughs> but for me it's not just the, the playing of the game which I really enjoy it is that collection aspect and like you said it is, it is literally just uh, following a, a, a dopamine rush right yeah pretty it's much it's like oh this this thing will set off the pleasure centres in my brain oh this will oh that's done now I'll do something else and like that's just I guess magic has fulfilled the, the role of it of, I really don't want to <laughs> talk about it like an addictive substance but i imagine it probably hits similar it in a way definitely it's I, you know it's, it's why the the nickname of cardboard crack does does ring true in a way like yeah i always it's... just think when people say that they're being very dis- dismissive of people with actual problems with addiction yeah but it, it's not it's not not true uh i mean yeah definitely like you know buying the card you really want for your deck that's gonna make it really good like certainly creates a dopamine rush or like if you have been saving for ages or if you just have a credit card and buying like a really expensive card that you really want like i definitely i mean again working in a magic shop i definitely see people making reckless financial decisions it's yeah, like oh yeah i'll yeah. just i'll just make this 300 pound purchase on my credit card it'll be fine like you shouldn't you shouldn't do that that seems like a bad idea yeah there's, there's a lot of stuff that i've seen as well from the time when i worked in a store too where like somebody would come in they buy a booster pack they'd crack it right there at the tail quick rush through the cards in about five seconds be disappointed by they didn't get anything and straight away another booster pack and just just chain booster packs like you might see somebody chain chain lottery tickets or or cigarettes yeah yeah it's exactly the same with scratch cards right yeah you you know like i've done that before where i bought a scratch card scratched it i'm not i I don't know how what gambling and broadcast rules are but you know (laughs) whatever i I mean i've like bought a scratch card and you know (laughs) um you know like then sat at their like counter at the co-op scratching it and then being like oh i didn't get uh, you know, I didn't get the one hundred thousand pounds that obviously I'm never going to win. Um, and then, yeah. like, or like, you know, you win it, you win a fiver, and then you buy five more scratch cards, <laughs> but instantly with that money. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's an exact. That's basically exactly the booster pack model. Yeah, it is. yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if like you ever opened any kind of booster pack products at any point, Chris, like Pokemon cards or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. had the I had the Pokemon the Pokemon thing. I was I was of that age. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is why I got into Magic, because I remembered enjoying um, opening Pokemon cards and collecting Pokemon cards when I was, like, literally a child, and thought, oh, I, I'm independent and have my own income now, I can do that again if I want to, and then 
this this is my point like you know you explaining uh how you interact with things as a person uh and how would you sell magic to me it's like well <laughs> i was in a very similar position and now i have a magic podcast and work full-time in a magic shop <laughs> so <laughs> that appears to be the pipeline you know <laughs> Uh, so that you have one taste and then it becomes literally your entire life but uh, I, I guess i guess what what do you th- do you think there are things that are unique about magic that lead to like that level of involvement i mean you've talked about like the like the business model and like um and so on, but like do you think there's like elements of like the game mechanics and the fact that it's like jointly you know a collectible thing and the game mm. and like and I guess, like, also, like, the social aspect of it, is that, like, part of the attraction of it? I think so, yeah, 100%. I, I think, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I think you could give several sort of reasons for each of those points, really. I think the game itself is is fantastic. I think if it, if it wasn't, it wouldn't have lasted, like, almost 30 years at this point. Um, yeah. I genuinely, genuinely think it is, it is the greatest game of all time. Um... I think because because it it takes you know to use that sort of poker and chess analogy again. I think it it takes existing mechanics that are, are tried and tested from from other from other games and familiar concepts, and it just it just takes the best bits of those sort of games and meshes them all into into one game. And I, I do think on its yeah. on its own, it absolutely stands as just a fantastic game. But then. You do have the whole the whole rest of the I guess the magic ecosphere around that. I think it's it's called Magic the Gathering, which originally was was about it was you know, you, you were literally you were gathering the magic, you were gathering the magic from the land, from the different elements, but that very quickly, you know, once the, the, the game took off and tournaments started happening, the, the term the gathering very much I guess now translate into you know, a, a gathering of people. You go you go to a magic tournament, but it's not just a tournament. You go there to meet new friends, to meet old friends, to to socialise even more more than you, you play a game. So there is yeah. definitely definitely that element as well that yeah uh, I think makes it so just so good. I think that's one of the one of the things like my that pretty much the only thing that I am excited about the pandemic ending for is, is to go to to magic tournaments. That's the only um, thing you're excited about, not like the, <laughs> the end of the, 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 the hundreds of thousands of people dying. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, but in terms of in terms of like, I feel like I've been restricted. You know, people who are like, oh, I can't do anything. I feel like I'm being repressed. Um, I really just want to go to the pub. Like, my one thing isn't like going to the pub or like <clears throat> going to specific. My, my one thing is like is is magic events, right? Like, the one thing because because you know. Uh, again, outside of the you know mass death and horrible handling of a pandemic, um, the one thing I can't do under lockdown or whatever that I that I want to do is is, is play magic. And I think the fact that that has such a such a draw, such an impact on my life that like I really just want to go and do that and like meet up with friends and <clears throat> and play a game I really really like is is one of the draws of it. But I think like there there are so many aspects that I think I, I don't think there's any one set reason why anyone gets into magic. I think, uh, like you were saying, Joe, like the um, like just the mechanics and the fact that it's it's just a very very good, very well made game that has stood the test of time and is is you know coming up to its thirtieth anniversary. 
there's also just the fact that it incorporates really cool fantasy elements and story elements and, yeah. and cool illustrations and stuff like there are definitely people who are like oh that's a cool dragon i'll play this game like that's definitely got enough people in right or or any kind of fantasy trip like that and it is just like i've definitely made very very good friends playing this game like you and i are friends because of magic right and I now like to think that our, our friendship spans beyond Magic the Gathering, at least slightly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there are loads of friends I have who, like, it started out as, as uh, oh, I'll, I'll go hang out with that that person who I played Magic with because we have a common interest and, and at least we'll have something to talk about to genuinely, like, you know, going to people's weddings and, and meeting their kids and, and just hanging out and enjoying their company. And, like, there are loads of people I wouldn't have met had it not been for Magic, and I think that's one of the one of the important things i know loads of people go to like friday night magics just to just to meet up with people it's an excuse to socialize with people that you wouldn't regularly see and i think that's that's one of the biggest draws I'm like if i give up magic then i've lost one of the one of the links i have with with yeah, people who i really care, sort of really care about social outlets really yeah like i've 100 percent made friends for life just by playing a fucking stupid children's card game you know yeah but like people i wouldn't i would never would have met and like um and that we now because there's a time where like you're, you're friends with a, with a person you play magic with and all you talk about for like a good few months is just magic and then eventually you like they, they talk about their job or something or, or like something about their life and you get in, in, in into their it, into just just talking to them as a person rather than just this sort of pretense of, of talking about magic um and I, I genuinely think that's a very it's a very special thing it's just a way to introduce yourself to people I think that's what's kept me going this long at least also i like the game <laughs> i like collecting cards um but it's just it's it's a even even if someone is at that one end of the spectrum right where they just they just buy the occasional pack and and play with their friends once a month and like someone who's aspiring to to go to the world championships like there's that one thread that kind of unites you and you can vague, vaguely have an understanding of each other yeah totally. even if even if some of those people are fucking horrible and you never want to speak to them again so you still, they still have. I can I can hold a conversation with people who are very socially awkward, and I'm very socially awkward myself. And I can still hold a conversation with someone about something, and I think that's one of the most important aspects of it. Yeah. <clears throat> and also, I like shiny cards. <laughs> I think that's that's a lot of it, honestly. Like, oh, this looks pretty. I'll buy it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I definitely don't think that the whole sort of you know booster booster pack predatory sales tactics things should be discounted as well because that is definitely a thing oh, yeah. that definitely does affect a, a lot of people and yeah. you do have all of the you know the great sort of social aspect of it and the, the great the game itself being great but i think yeah that we're talking about you know you get a, you get a dopamine hit from from opening booster packs definitely definitely keeps a lot of people here longer than i guess a lot of other hobbies might have yeah i mean it is just gambling <laughs> the, oh, the, oh, like... yeah. oh, open a booster. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. So I think like just opening a booster pack is absolutely one hundred percent gambling. But even then, Magic has got a it's got a solution for that. Like you can play limited, which is where rather than having you show up to a tournament with a constructed deck, you get a couple of booster packs. You open those packs and you build a deck out of what you open. So even if it, you're not you know gambling in the the purest sense of of oh, I'm going to open this or you know scratch this off and just see what I've won. It, they still find a way to incorporate that booster pack model into the actual playing of the game too. What's the country where a certain aspect of magic is banned because it's gambling under their law? Uh, Germany. Germany, uh, you cannot hold uh, Grand Prix events or um, any sort of tournaments for, for prizes in Germany. 
So they they held a GP there once, and the the winners the winners got like like electrical goods, like winners. So like you you couldn't do they couldn't do like <laughs> cash prizes and stuff, but they had like a system where like if you won, you would win like a like a PlayStation Three or like a PlayStation Two or whatever it was at the time, or like TVs and stuff and like home furniture. But they couldn't give out any cash prizes or anything. Like a fancy tombola. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much yeah. <laughs> you end it with a bottle of wine. You're like, oh god, I wanted the PS4. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's because of those like complicated yeah. gambling laws of why, like, uh, still to this day, they don't hold high-level magic tournaments in Germany. Yeah, but there are definitely people that come back to my to come back to the store and spend money because they want that sort of. It's li- it's literally gambling. It's the same as a, as, as as buying a scratch card. It's just that. Generally, with with opening a, a booster pack, there are there's a slightly higher chance of a reward, or a slightly less of a chance of getting no reward whatsoever. Because yeah. when you buy a scratch card, most of the time you're you're scratching off zero or one pound, right? Yeah. Whereas with a booster pack, you're normally coming away with it, with at least like so you spend three pound fifty on a booster pack, you're normally walking away with like at least a pound probably of actual value, and it could be thirty pounds, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's it's money once removed, right? So yeah. The thing with magic cards is that they're just—they're a currency in, in and of themselves That's and have it. an intrinsic monetary value. But that it doesn't feel like I'm spending money to win money. It's like I'm spending thing on a hobby and I might make money. And that—that's how people justify it, I think, a yeah, lot of the time. Totally. That's that's the whole other sort of aspect as well, as well. To like, yes, you have the game itself, you have the social side of it, but then you also have like a whole like economic system. Like Magic: The Gathering economy is incredibly scary sort of like analog of capitalism really it's it's it's, it's quite scary just, yeah, to, just, I, just how easy just how yeah how easy it is. it's it's modeled capitalism and how accidental it was as well yeah i mean it's just it's just the secondary market is just a microcosm of capitalism yeah and my my job is essentially stocks and shares <laughs> right like that's that's <laughs> that's actually my job and the only way that i'm able to justify that to myself is that no one <laughs> no one in that chain of of production is um is being taken advantage of in any kind of way like so the people that design print and ship the cards are all fairly compensated for their labor and then i'm in turn fairly compensated for my labor and, and then people come in and, and pay money for uh, uh, goods or services right so <laughs> It, I mean, it is horrific with, like, you can just... I mean, there are literally, like, you know, the MTG Stocks is a website where you, it's basically just a stock market, but for specific magic cards. Yeah. But Wild. Yeah. yeah. Did you not know that? No. Yeah, there's a whole... My entire job is basically just, like, the Magic the Gathering stock market. Yeah, here's a, here's a good question. So, obviously, you we talked about high barrier to entry. We you, you briefly mentioned cost. What What... What is your assumption of the, of the cost of playing Magic? Like when you think, obviously there are a lot of sort of older cards and rare cards. What would you assume would be kind of a high price or like a very expensive price for like a, a very rare Magic: The Gathering card? Uh, as in, as in, like I guess, like are we talking about one that's like currently being played or like more of a collector's item or both? Um, I guess, I guess one that's being played, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the rule on these is you go higher than you think, right? But, <laughs> I mean, like for yeah. a piece of for a piece of card, and assuming that, like you know, it, 
I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'll, 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 I'll thumb in the air at like eighty pounds for a for a current game piece that you would use at the top level of competition. It, for King of the Magic's sword. <laughs> sword, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I was kind of hoping you'd go like ludicrously high or ludicrously low, but that's it's not not that far wrong. Yeah, that's it. I think for the most cases that's definitely the very the very high end for most cards. But then you, when you do sort of get into the the sort of more enfranchised older formats and stuff like Legacy and obviously Vintage. Which uses the whole Magic the Gathering card pool that spanned thirty years, you can get a, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of very expensive cards there. Yeah, I do find it. I do think it's weird how we just sort of normalise owning such expensive items. Yeah, yeah. Where like I just have a box of just a plastic box which I paid six pounds for, full of pieces of cardboard that's worth like two and a half grand. It's not. It's not a reasonable amount of money to be having, is it? Yeah, I'm actually. I'm looking at a, a plastic cardboard, a plastic box that I paid like two pounds fifty for. That's just sat in front of me <laughs> currently on this desk, and probably has about twenty thousand dollars worth of bits of cardboard in there. Like, oh. yep. Yeah. It's, it's a whole. It's a whole thing. So, so you're saying it's like eighty quid for a what for a like a for the King of the Magic's card yeah i mean like, like how many cards is it like in there like how in a in the when the king of the magics is playing like prince of the magics <laughs> how many how many cards is in their deck so how much is like the total value of the deck that they're playing with like what 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 what's the what's the monetary value sitting around that table i i feel like uh you're using unnecessarily gendered terms there chris sorry yeah the, <laughs> the, the monarch of the magic and go. the monarch's uh child Non-binary I mean, offspring. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's going to be Paolo versus Reed Duke, isn't it? Or Paolo versus Mangucci? So I, I think he knows more than he lets on. Yeah, it's mainly it's it's, it's mainly men. There have been yeah. like <laughs> yeah. two two people who are not men who have done well at, at Magic tournaments in its entire history. I think. I'd say right. more, more, like, more than two, but well, like the, the it, names it, you've got, like Melissa De Toro and Orton Bircher, like those are yeah, the two. Yeah, Alison Warfield, Jess Estefan. Yeah, there's, there's, I think, I think this thing like there's those like the names who have actually like got a specific thing they can they can put on their CV. Yeah. Whereas like there are there are obviously like so many um, people who aren't men who are playing Magic like very very seriously and doing very very well and very good. Yeah, but in terms uh, of the, the, help me as an asshole, Joe. Come in, on. In, in, oh, in terms of in terms of King of the Magics, anybody that could be a contender who who isn't who isn't a man, who isn't white, who isn't living an incredibly privileged lifestyle, you can probably count on one hand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's probably like the highest the highest field. All of the contenders for King of the Magics are all definitely white men. I love that I've just like introduced this into your podcast lore. Like, a, from, from, from like now a, on, you're always really going to be referring to it. <laughs> yeah, King of the Magics. It's rotate. I mean, like, I think that gives it higher stakes, right? It sounds more. sounds like it should be more contested. A world champion here, but they want a tournament. King of the Magics. It's like <laughs> someone you've got to kill, right? like, and you definitely get a crown, right? Yeah, yeah. that would be so. Yeah, fuck the trophy, give them the crown. Yeah. The crown would be. So... Yeah, and like the, the planeswalker symbols are like a perfect crack, doesn't matter. Uh, I think, like, to, to get back to the original point, uh, I think the uh, it's it's hard to like talk about specific monetary value of, of these things without talking about specifics, but like, so. Uh, in the standard, which is the format where you play the 
uh, most recent two years worth of Magic cards. Yeah, the most mm-hmm. the most commonly played format at a at a Friday night Magic tournament. Yeah, uh, uh, the, the sort of the best quote unquote. And again, it's all it's all relative because like there's no like one best card, otherwise it wouldn't yeah. be any fun because everyone would just play that that card in that deck, right? But like um, uh, relinquished from Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, I imagine that's shit now. <laughs> I don't know if that's every time I like because occasionally we get people coming into the store like, oh, do you sell Yu-Gi-Oh or do you buy Yu-Gi-Oh? And we're like, eh, no, not really. And then my boss is like, yeah, I'll take a look at your Yu-Gi-Oh cards because he has an approximate knowledge, and they're just nothing like the cards. Like Relinquish used to be like the most ridiculous and, and convoluted thing I've ever seen, and now it's just nothing like comparison. Blue eyes, white dragon. That's another one. That's terrible now. Apparently, it doesn't mm. do anything. It's just a big dragon. Um, <laughs> But like so, so the most I guess the, the the most widely played, most desirable, rarest card from a, from a current standard set would probably be about forty quid, roughly. Yeah, probably about that, if that. But then there are 30, there are quid. loads of there are loads of desirable cards that are still in print that can be like eighty pounds each, uh, and then there are cards that are part of what is called the reserve list, which means they can never be printed again, which are like. Can be up to several thousands for a single card. Yeah, um, yeah, like the average. Yeah, yeah, but like the the average finals of a big tournament, if people are playing an actual deck against each other, each person's deck is probably roughly about three hundred pounds each for a deck. So that's what you'd like on a Friday. You'd go out and you'd be playing a three hundred quid. Uh, yeah, I mean, but on a Friday, but then, then there are different formats where you can play older cards, which therefore obviously get more expensive. Right. So I think. The the deck that I would play in one of uh, in some some of the time would be like two and a half grand, and people would play with stuff up to about four or five, and uh, like if we're talking modern, which is sort of the, the in between format, would be um, like five hundred to a thousand pounds of just a pile of cards on a deck that you sit next to your can of monster and <laughs> hope not to spill on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's that's the general cost of it, and you you really you really do rationalise it to yourself so quickly where you're like, oh, 13 pounds for a single piece of cardboard, that's so much. And you get to this point, you're like, oh, 600 pounds, that's a little bit too much for a piece of cardboard. <laughs> but, you know, 500 is fine. But it's all moving pieces. Like, whenever I make magic purchases, it's it's because I sell cards I already own to fund the cards I, ha- I, I want, right? Yeah, because it, yeah. like no. it has this whole economic system, you know, mini model of capitalism behind it. And yeah, you know, a lot of it's those cards, think... like... You know, like like I said, I've I've got a little deck box of about twenty thousand dollars worth of cards in front of me right now. Like I didn't pay anything near that much because they've appreciated in value. Because you have a whole a whole chunk of people who do just use use them as stocks. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's why to come vaguely full circle <laughs> is is why I've always found Magic so much more enticing than any other sort of games. Um, in that sense, like, so if I wanted to buy the latest games console, right, buy a PS5, Joe, I'm hoping you know how much that costs. Vaguely, uh, depends if you can actually find one in stock anywhere. But yeah, yeah, but say, say, <laughs> I, say I could. How much is like a top of the range games console on release? About 550. Sure. So I buy that 550. I use it for three years, and then I sell it for what? 200. Yeah. Assuming probably. it hasn't broken. Assuming, assuming it hasn't broken in that amount of time, so that's a huge depreciation. Whereas, like, I buy a card for. There's some cards like I, I buy a deck for for five hundred pounds, play it for three years, and probably sell it for at least four hundred after that. Yeah, but that, see that that's totally fascinating to me because with that what you've just said about the games console, right? Like I've mm-hmm. aside from when I run out of money at uni and like had to like literally sell shit in order to like eat. Yep. Um, the, the only like I've not 
uh, solder games core that I've owned, right? Like, I still have my PS1 and my PS2, and I still exactly. regularly play those games. Sure. And that's interesting because, like, I would never do, like, because it's like in the same way that I don't sell, like, books that I bought, right? Like, I come back to it and it's like a. Yeah, whereas, like, what you're talking about is, like, this weird kind of, like, uh, cycle and market of stuff. Um, yeah, definitely. Which is, like, totally alien to me. I think that's, yeah, that's one of the most. It's It's one of the most fascinating and interesting and uh, fucking irritating parts of Magic the <laughs> Gathering is that uh, one of the, the big driving forces behind it is that everything is essentially liquid yeah. um, and people know how much their cards are worth and, and what they're expected to, to get from them. So like part of my uh, like quite a lot of my job is people will bring their big collection of cards to me and I will offer them money for it and I'll give them the money and then I will have their cards. Um that's like a drive. That's how we get our stock, right? So I, I pay seventy yeah. percent of retail price of like market price, and then sell for one hundred and ten percent of market price. That's generally how we how we make money. Um, but <laughs> it can be annoying because people know how much their cards are worth. So someone will give me a fifteen pound card, and I'll be like, "Oh, I'll give you nine pounds for that because I want to sell it for eighteen. And people are like, "No, it's worth 15 and it can be very annoying. But it does mean that the hobby is is sort of it's thing like I I so I, I spend a lot of money or at least historically have spent a lot of money on this hobby but there's always that underlying fact like okay if, if like genuinely if i was in some kind of horrific personal emergency i could very quickly have five thousand pounds just by moving these these things that i have and that doesn't involve selling my car selling my house like selling my my computer or making any kind of real personal changes to my life it's just i just have that money sort of whenever i need it if I, if I really needed to. And it's also the case of, like, I never want to do that because I really enjoy owning the cards <laughs> and don't really want to part with them. But that is that is a big a, a big part of, of Magic the Gathering is um, the fact that things can just be liquid and they will generally... And they, <laughs> there's a whole lot of nuance to that, that that there's literally no point going into at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but generally will hold the value that they have. Um, so I say, like, when you when you buy a games console, you're that, that's essentially £500 or whatever it is of dead money, right? I think that's the thing I own now, and I use it, and I get make, I probably get five hundred pounds of enjoyment out of it. But with Magic cards, I can <clears throat> get what I consider to be five hundred pounds worth of enjoyment out of these cards, and then sell them for probably about five hundred pounds at the end of it. So it, it, it can be cash neutral, it can be cash, cash positive. It's often cash negative, but it, it has that potential to be um, a self sustaining hobby. And I mean, you know, like I'm a magic. I work in a magic shop, but people, individuals make a living buy houses buy cars for feed families just on buying and selling little pieces of cardboard with pictures of dragons on them it's a whole thing a dream yeah exactly <laughs> honest, honestly my dream um it's that, that, that that's another another part of it's so compelling is that magic magic finance is its own its own little microcosm of of, of capitalism but it also like it is just it can be its own job <laughs> you just take your hobby and just make money off of it yeah, that's, that's a whole swarm of people that just they don't play the game at all but they engage with buying, buying and selling cards and yeah make a, a lifestyle out of that yeah and that's the thing that's the thing with magic I think there are so many different aspects that it's if you're introduced to it I think it's hard to not be drawn into it at least a little bit yeah definitely. I've found very few people who have been introduced to magic who are not at least a little bit still involved with it at this point what and do you mean get, by that by, by being introduced to it like so, so I'm like, oh, do you want to check out this game that I like? The main problem is that I'm a really, really bad teacher, and I can no longer put myself in the mind frame of someone who's new to the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, you don't understand this. You're an idiot. 
um when obviously i'm like i've played for like eight years at this point and it's fully ingrained in my mind what everything is and does <laughs> um but like someone who's like oh you should check out this game and like there's the, the the online version which is uh magic arena <clears throat> where you just play on your computer like oh check this out and most of the time people just sort of don't ever stray away from it they at least play it uh, on a semi-regular basis um someone who's completely new to the game because there are so many ways to just get drawn in on it just why i'm hesitant to introduce you to it chris <laughs> <laughs> i feel like you would have done it at this point if you were if you were inclined to i mean no i mean I, I find it fascinating um and yeah like i mean like as i said like i'm definitely like if if you know like if i were the like marketing department of the magics uh-huh. like I, I i'm like <laughs> i'm like the the the, the 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 definite target audience of someone to get totally hooked on it, right? Yeah, you're you're um, definitely the, the target demographic for sure. I mean, like you know, in terms of our engagement with media, I think we're we're very similar, and I think it got me, it didn't get you. Is is fair enough? Like we're, we're interested in very similar things outside of outside of magic, so you would definitely have fallen, fallen prey to it, I guess, if you were if you were exposed to playing a few games. Is that how you view your relationship to it? That you fell prey to it? <laughs> but it feels it feels like a a, a love hate relationship most of the time, in that I love it and it hates me. I don't know. Again, like there are... it feels it feels so... very difficult to like use sort of like terms and phrases like that sometimes because it yeah you kind of like I know how it looks like we're talking about like bits of cardboard, but yeah, it's yeah, and I don't want it to be like you know belittling to any like actual real world you know problems or conditions or anything but it it is very much ingrained into it i think as well like yeah i mean i think i think most hobbies um are completely ridiculous and daft whenever you if you actually look at what they are yeah um and you know like i think um mainly from me magic magic players get a very bad rap uh <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> get bullied a lot for what they do uh I mean, because there's the whole, like, you know, being a nerd is cool now and, you know, the whole Big Bang Theory thing. Uh, but it, it's... All hobbies are ridiculous when you think about them. Like, being interested in football is, is when you look at it, completely ridiculous. Wrestling, fishing... Hold on, yeah, like, wrestling is the well, most you're talking ridiculous, about wrestling. It's the most ridiculous <laughs> yeah. thing in the world, a hundred percent. Like, absolutely, yeah. I love but, it so but much. You love it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I love, it, love it, it. I love it more than I love magic, but it's like yeah. the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah, and and magic is is equally ridiculous. I'm just looking at little pictures of like fantasy characters drawn onto pieces of cardboard with random rules text written on them, and I love it. And like that's, I think, magic is no more ridiculous than than anything else it's just that there's still that sort of i don't want to say stigma because we're not we're definitely not a victimized minority at this point um but that sort of stigma of like nerdy culture right? of like D D players in their basement being all weird and smelly um i mean those people definitely exist and they come into my shop but they're not that's not the whole the whole magic population and i feel like a lot of normal quote-unquote people play magic and it's just a thing people do now that's a really interesting point i think because like I guess, like, thinking way back to the original kind of, like, question or concept behind this conversation, like, in terms of perspectives of magic as an outsider, like, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, like, a, a phrase that sometimes you use about wrestling fans, right? Which is, like, the, the worst advert for professional wrestling is professional wrestling fans. Yeah. And, like, 
I think that that's like sometimes like at least in terms of like perceptions, like the same case with the Magic the Gathering, right? Like I think, yeah. Um, and I guess it's 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 similar with like all kind of like all, like I guess like we've been talking about like I guess like alternative subcultures or whatever. In that, like at least, uh, and this is a, obviously a huge overgeneralization, mm-hmm. but typically speaking, like, uh, and then you push back on this, obviously, if, if I'm wrong, but you tend to get people who are into these kinds of things who are. Um, I guess for various reasons, like they're you know not on the they they tend to be like more on the fringes of society. They tend to be like alienated from mainstream culture and society, or whatever. And like my kind of outsider perspective on that is that they they tend to either go in one of two directions, right? They either get like radicalized by like 4chan and YouTube and Reddit and become like incels and like <laughs> conspiracy mm-hmm. theorists and whatever, or they end up getting radicalized by like Twitter and Tumblr and end up generally being like good people <laughs> it's like on yeah. two ways right yeah very much so I, I think that's a very it's a very interesting like that's a whole topic that i sort of wish we'd got on to sooner i guess yeah definitely um but like i mean yeah i definitely fall into the latter category <laughs> uh i think i think we all do to at least a certain extent yeah. um but it, yeah it's it's weird with like those people are on the fringe of society and then then they, they do get again you said like you said over generalization get radicalized into one or two categories whether that be basically right leaning or left leaning <laughs> um but magic and ham, ha, like hobbies similar to it like uh warhammer and and, and larping or whatever tend to attract both, both factions and it gets very uh, i don't know it's very it's very weird with magic specifically like being in the the magic circles that i'm in there is like very it's very odd when you put it on the table like it's a it's a it's a game designed by a man who wanted something to do between sessions of D D, and it's like like i said like you know fantasy depictions of stupid little characters has like such a huge like social justice movement and like there there are so many vocal people at the high ends of the game who are like very vocal on these issues and, and, and stuff and and then there are so many parts of people who might put magic who are just legitimately nazis and the game sort of like I don't think it caters to either of those groups really, but it, it's it is like a home for both of those groups. That's same with Warhammer. Like there are people who play Warhammer who love it, who are just genuinely like actual Nazis, who yeah, are like genuinely white supremacists like, and fucking awful people. Games Workshop was started by two anti-fascists. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and there were like several depictions in the early like publications of just like beheading Thatcher and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's one of the yeah, one of the old orc war bosses was called like Margaret Thatcher or something. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, it's, it's weird. Like it's, people it's, get like, wrong. Ma- Margaret Thatcher or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's this horrific, it's just... horrific orc boss. Yeah, it's it's weird because like because you see these like especially with Warhammer like forty k specifically like it's uh, these depictions of. Of, of different groups of space fascists coming together to murder each other to see who can do the fascism the best. Yeah. <laughs> there are a bunch of left-leaning people who are like, yeah, that's funny. I like that when the fascists are so into infighting that they kill each other and it's a big, gory war. And there are some people who are like, oh, yeah, fascism, that's fun. Um, and <laughs> weirdly, like these sort of hobbies do to attract those kinds of people. Although I do th- I do think the people who work for, like, for Wizards of the Coast, you like literally make Magic the Gathering are very much towards our side of it. Yeah, trying trying to be on the right side of history as much as they can. Yeah, definitely. I, I think they've had a, a couple of misguided attempts at fixing some of the issues over over the years, but yeah. I think they're always well-meaning in what they do. Definitely. Yeah, 
in 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 summary, Chris, there are definitely Nazis who play magic. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. So 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 I guess, I guess like how how does that kind of that divide and that politics play out like on like a on like an actual level of like you go to like I I, I picture I, I, having never been to a a, a magic's tournament I'm picturing uh-huh. like you know like no windows a cellar <laughs> like handlelit yeah it depends what like, scale kind you're of like. About gothic mahogany chairs that you're all sitting on that would so be you pit- great you picture for one of these tournaments and like what how is that how is that kind of like that uh i guess like how how, how does that politics play out in terms of like the, the that the kind of divide between like yeah like the, 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 that kind of like those different people and like what how, how is how is that space kind of managed if like that is like if there, for example if there is like a significant chunk of like you know basically like hard right people involved and then like good people how is how is that navigated like when you pitch up on a friday to your local magic's dungeon <laughs> well i would love to play magic in a dungeon that'd be great <laughs> uh normally it's just like it, it's either a shop which is just like a normal run-of-the-mill like high street building that someone has rented to play to turn into a magic shop oh, or you, it's you, like big tournaments like, romance like, having now yeah like like conventions <laughs> like um uh, Grand's Prix in, in Birmingham are held in the in EC. Like, right. it's just an like air hanger, right? Um, but I think there's there's definitely, like, a big vocal group of people who are, like, relatively influential in terms of Magic Gathering, whether that be, like, actual professional players or content creators who are, like, very vocal about, about social justice issues and stuff um, and basically are just shouting down the dickheads constantly so that they feel... Uh, unwelcome uh and there's a lot of pushback to that it's like you can't kick people out of magic well if they're you know white supremacist and probably should uh and then wizards themselves do a lot of things to like so like you know they're a big company who are owned by hasbro so they're not the good guys per se but yeah. like but um they have things like so you're sort of sanctioned magic tournaments that you would go to on a friday night uh they they'll take place in, in a store or whatever whatever area Sam just 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 said and you uh <laughs> yeah. so all of those places are going to be part of what's known as the wizards play network and the wizards play network itself uh, has a co- code of conduct which the store play space must must agree to, to right. sort of be part of that and that code of conduct has has rules and stuff like that it specifically says some of the, the rules in the code of conduct are put fun first which is competition is part of our games but win or lose we keep it friendly respectful and fun welcome everyone our community includes a range of diverse people no matter who sits down at the table with us we make them feel welcome keep it clean we're all caretakers of the game each of us should help maintain a clean safe environment and obey the rules we follow follow event rules i'm reading this this isn't just ingrained in my head uh but <laughs> it does have that sort of aspect of you know our community includes a range of diverse people mm-hmm. written into their code, code of conduct and any store that is found to be sort of you know breaking any of those rules have certain privileges removed from them by Wizards of the Coast, so they won't be able allowed to host sanctioned magic tournaments anymore, or they mightn't have access to certain products or promos. And I think it's it's very easy to tell which stores are welcoming to certain types of people because those stores and, and event centres won't be part of the Wizards Play Network. Yeah, 
I mean, it's very much like magic still is, like very much a boys' club yeah, of like a bunch of people who think women are weird and gross, um, and are still like acting like the twelve-year-olds. But you know, Wizards of the Coast themselves like do do make like they're trying to position themselves as as reasonable people who are trying to be, like I said, like on the right side of history, like. Um, you know, black characters and, and characters of color are very prevalent in uh, in magic law. Like, there's canonically a, a trans character and a non-binary character that they like. Make sure you definitely know these things exist. And I think that's sort of a an indirect way of of telling these horrible people to to not play the game. Basically, and then they set up their own YouTube channels and start complaining about how magic is woke and how they're all cultural Marxists. Um, but uh, generally, like, there is that sort of that code of conduct, and like, you, you, you don't do these things, otherwise, we'll literally penalise you. And just trying, like, as a <clears throat> as a company, as an as an organisation, to just kind of say the right sound bites most of the time, and like, you know, release um, Pride merch at the moment, which again, you know, big company just trying to make money off of uh, queer people, but you know, with with specific flags on it and stuff. Like, so they're they're very like they're vocal enough about like being reasonable people. Um, that they're trying to make it clear to, to you know, Nazis that, that they're not welcome in the game. Basically, um, I mean, you've played against an actual Nazi before, right, Joe? Yeah, quite probably. So I guess that, that's the other thing. So at a store level, stores are encouraged to. to uh, I guess stores have to have to agree to to you know have a, a diverse and welcome atmosphere. But that's not. So it's it's not always necessarily the case where you go to. Like bigger tournaments, larger tournaments. So, obviously, there's different levels of competition within Magic. So you have your, your regional levels where you play in stores, and if you do well at a regional level, you can then qualify to a big national tournament. Uh, and then from the national tournament, obviously, there's the international tournament, and then you get to be king of the Magic or whatever if you win all the games at the end. Uh, so yeah, so when you get into those sort of bigger tournaments at like a national and international level, they are usually held independently of your sort of local area it won't be in a store it'll be you know like sam said it'll be like in your Birmingham, nec at birmingham or a whole host of pages places just a big a big big room full of people so the, the national tournament was something which they discontinued for a while but they they did bring it back a couple of years ago uh, and yeah i attended one of the events fantastic like hands down my favorite magic tournaments to go to like nationals was a really really good format really good event uh, but yeah, one round I, I sat down across my my opponent and you know the usual, oh hi, introduce myself or how how's your weekend going? Oh, it's good to see nationals back. How do you like this tournament? And you re- responded with, oh, it's great because there aren't any Europeans here. So that was uh, that was awkward. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You get those kinds of people. Um, but I mean, you know, being uh, working in, in a magic store and essentially being the tournament organizer for that store at this point. I can just tell those people to get out. That's nice <laughs> on a personal level. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's getting less and less. I think, I think yeah. people are being more and more turned off the magic and going to find other other similar hobbies that maybe their views are less uh, uh, opposed. I guess would would be the word. Yeah, uh, it's something where I, I think it, you don't necessarily encounter a lot of it. At sort of like the local Friday night magic level within a store, but when you do, when you get to that. Yes, yeah. Obviously, when you go online, you're going to see it everywhere. If you're engaging with magic online in any spaces like, like YouTube or Reddit or Facebook or all of the radicalized platforms these days, 
uh, or if you if you are attending sort of those as bigger convention style events like like Magic Fests, that's where you tend to run into those sorts of people. And I guess like so so obviously like this is a podcast that is very much not a neo-Nazi podcast. Oh yeah. Like, um, <laughs> like I guess like have you have you have you had like any pushback for like the stuff that you've done on the podcast or from like your general like I guess like I mean Sam you're every day my Twitter feed is scroll past <laughs> and there's like a new card and you're having a round with someone or whatever. Um if you've <laughs> if you've not been suspended for violating the Twitter user's rules of service. <laughs> yeah. um, like have you had like kickback for like your stuff and like similarly like is are there other people currently recording like a neo Nazi version of this podcast? Uh, I don't know. I think I think there's there's a lot of again a lot of nuance to that. Yeah, I, I think that, it, that we haven't necessarily received anything. Yeah, I mean we're very sort of our direction, you know, our, our way, and way, yeah. But we do know we do know people who have received you know, direct targeted harassment from big YouTube uh, players. So yeah, so there's there's a there's a guy on YouTube who I uh, won't say now, but I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, after we finish recording, Chris, if you're interested in just checking out some absolutely batshit Nazi stuff, um, there's a guy who has a YouTube channel that's got a relatively big following, and he's like very right wing and an asshole, and um, just like targets people for like they'll say something like "women deserve to play Magic the Gathering," and he'll go on like a 50 minute rant on YouTube about how that's actually wrong. Um, and <laughs> yeah, we've got like our our friend uh, Kirsty, who's uh, you know, has written articles and stuff about women in magic and, and you know, um, uh, oppressed groups playing magic and, and stuff was, <laughs> was featured <laughs> quite heavily in one of his videos uh, talking about how the, the feminists are ruining magic and, and how he doesn't feel like he's part of it anymore being, you know, this is a white man. Uh, but I mean, we've, we've never had any... <laughs> Again, you you follow me on Twitter, right? So you've seen how yeah. I how I hold myself online. <laughs> I've, we've been having anything specific to the podcast, I don't think. Um, but uh, again, like we're very in a very privileged position where I don't think people would start shit with us. But like, there are a lot of women and um, people of minority groups who would uh, definitely just would receive absolute absolutely horrible stuff on it on a daily basis just for existing not even for saying anything anything controversial yeah. and that's still very much a prevalent problem in 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 magic that no amount of selling pride shirts in the month of june could solve um but yeah there's probably a nazi version of this podcast oh yeah absolutely there will i wouldn't be. recommend listening to it yeah same. Um, but yeah there's there are definitely a lot of content creators who there are some content creators who are like very like have have uh, apparent views but like keep it private and like try and be professional with their magic content which is like one thing um and then there are people who are just like overtly horrid who will make um you know there are like subreddits where they do awful things and say awful things about um about people with 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 protected characteristics and stuff it's a it's a whole minefield but no with i also i i, it, I would find it i would find it a lot of fun if someone tried to have a go with something i said on this podcast because that's what I do in my spare time anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, it, it, we're trying to make it a nicer place, you know. You just hope that stores are, but it's it's not always the the problem with stores or the problem with Wizards of the Coasts. 
Wizards of the Coast in, in specific, it's uh, just the people that attend magic events who, who maybe aren't. And it, there's like a whole wider discussion to have about like the kind of people who would be on the, the fringes of society and we're looking for some kind of you know alternative um, community mm. who are unaware of how their actions or their words impact others. And I think a lot of people, there, there'll be you know a, a, definitely a non-zero amount of people who would have walked into a store heard someone casually say a slur or say something derogatory or just say something just horrible and would have turned around and left yeah uh, and that's definitely that's definitely a problem as well um like i've definitely had to tell people not to say specific things in the store uh because i mean i, I don't believe that they were being malicious but they still said something horrible and it's just trying to catch that i guess um but yeah it's nice to know that you don't think they're horrible and sell weirdos Thanks. Well, maybe. <laughs> I think it's, it's it's obviously it's a big it's a bigger issue within any sort of gaming culture, like the, the horrific radicalization of the, of the the straight white male is uh, is prevalent in any sort of nerdy hobby, and there's a hundred percent crossover with that in Magic the Gathering as well. And it's it's awful, it's awful, but at all levels there are people and even wizards of the coast themselves trying to trying to combat that and trying to make magic a more welcoming place for everybody uh yeah i mean you talking about you mentioned uh, playing runescape i did try and get back into that recently and i watched some of the content creators who are making runescape content and uh boy did they say some stuff like just actually like popular like you know these are the people that these are like the content creators for that game um or just on their youtube videos will just say ridiculous stuff so it's definitely a problem that ma magic is not exempt from but um there's definitely a community that are trying to make it a more uh, accepting and approachable place, I think. I guess, like, in terms of, like, I guess they're, like, the wider magic content universe, like, I'm thinking, like, whatever, like, articles, like, yep. YouTube, Twitch streams, or whatever it is, I don't... Yeah. Like, would you say, like, the there is a, like, a... a I guess, like, a dominant political strand... Like in terms of like the the um, I guess like the most high profile or prominent of that stuff because I guess like I'm just reflecting on like wrestling and I guess like the wider world around wrestling at least in the UK there's definitely I think been a move in terms of like some of the bigger um, quote unquote content creators or whatever um, generally moving in a in a in a more positive direction like in terms of their politics, so to speak. Uh, obviously, like, still hugely dominated by, like, you know, like, white men, but, like, in terms of, like, the, the narrative and the politics that's a part of it, like, it, it, it's, it's far less reactionary than, like, I guess you would necessarily expect from, like, people who whose, like, you know, uh, pastime is watching people pretend to fight. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I get like you know the the space is still definitely dominated by uh, by white men, but um, the, the 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 sort of more prominent voices definitely, but at least make an effort to take stands on on social issues and stuff like that, and and do charity events and charity streams and whatever for for specific um, organizations and, and and what have you. There's definitely like a uh, an effort, right? Yeah, definitely. So, I, I think so. I think yeah. So be good the people. biggest, the biggest magic content creator, I, I 
definitely, I think, would be uh, yeah. like Tolarian Community College, and he's he's got a, a very big audience. Um, but he does he does a lot of good work for charity. Uh, does a lot to. It's not something that he's always done, but in the past couple of years, very much so, has has made a a big shift and a big sort of effort to to get you know, want a better term people that don't look like him onto the onto his platform and help raise voices of people who wouldn't have their voices raised otherwise or would be targeted by by other groups and i think he does a, a very very good job at that and it you know providing a platform to people who who are underprivileged yeah there are, there are vast ways of, of people whose content i don't personally enjoy but i know it i like for, for one of a better term fighting a good fight and yeah, trying to definitely. like I said, lift 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 up those people and um but at the very least like you know have have people from um from press groups on their on their podcast or on their video or like you know actually have a conversation and let them speak and, and talk about their experience and stuff and there are there are many important conversations happening within within magic the gathering um which is nice and again it's one of the things that keeps you playing in a goddamn game is is that i found at least at least at the, like the sort of very engaged casual part of it is like there's a lot of, of people who are who are very um very aware and, and very turned on to to caring about other people <laughs> um and I, I wouldn't be interested in a in a hobby that didn't have that sort of vocal social aspect you know yeah i think so yeah i think i'm very very much agree with that um so i, I guess as we're starting to wrap up here really what is what is your takeaway from all of this chris what have you what have you learned i'm interested to see how your sort of perception of magic the government has changed uh, from when we started recording this to, to where we're at now um that's that's a hard question because i feel like there was a period at the start of this recording that has kind of escaped from my memory because of the major technological difficulties <laughs> we faced that uh-huh. uh, <laughs> that caused impossible levels of stress um but yeah i mean like no i mean i think um i guess like a lot of my, I guess, like outsider assumptions were like, in some ways, like, sort of the way that you talked about things were kind of affirmed. I mean, I guess, like, mm-hmm. I'm still, you know, very much intrigued, and um, I guess I wonder whether Sam, you should one day take me to a tournament. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when we were discussing. We'll take it from there. But, um tournaments and stuff and like if there's ever um i don't know if there are there are many uh they would what are called magic fests which are basically just big magic tournaments and events magic conventions um that would be near to where you live i guess london would honestly be the closest but i think it would be uh really cool to like just take you for it for like half a day just you, you could see what's going on um yeah i think that would be, be a really wild it is. a really good experience i think for somebody to really sort of get a view of all or just all of the best bits of, of magic the government i think i think magic fests are yeah are just fantastic in every way because you, you have all of the elements there you have the big tournament to see who's king of the magics you have all of the people hanging out and you know, taking part in the gathering side of it and then you have artists there you have you have people buying and selling cards so you have that whole economy side of it and it really sort of encapsulates everything in the game so i think it would be a really good experience for somebody to with a sort of baseline level I guess knowledge of, of the game and what it's about to really sort of take it all in and, and get a good view be, be interesting to know your, your thoughts on it definitely yeah 
Let's yeah. do it. Like, I imagine it being like a very kind of Louis Theroux style experience. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm yeah. well up for it. <laughs> that's 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 a great idea. We'll we'll do it when whenever big magic events return um, post COVID. We'll uh, we'll meet up with you at one yeah. for a little bit, and then and then we'll jump back on the podcast and see how your experience was. Twenty twenty five. Clear your diary. <laughs> people keep saying that they're, they're not sure if magic fests are going to come back and that, that worries me slightly because they're people who know so much things yeah um i think they are right i think, I think they'll, they'll come back in some format definitely definitely i don't know if they'll look exactly like they did before but i think a lot of the, yeah. the more fun sides of it will come back definitely we might not this know who, who's, who's the king of the magics every weekend but I think we can certainly <laughs> meet up with our friends. Yeah, but as long as I can like go to a convention center and sit in a in a big aircraft hangar and sweat profusely and drink way too much caffeine and play Magic the Gathering, that's all I want. <laughs> that's the only thing I've ever wanted in my life. Sounds great to me. I look forward to doing that. So, Chris, it's been mm-hmm. fantastic to have you on on the show. Um, say we'll definitely reconvene post Magic Fest, but with that we are approaching the the second hour come let us know your thoughts on on this full episode or i guess your experience of the magic the cavern be quite to know your insight of that so you can get us on social media on twitter we are at hfdcast facebook.com slash hfdcast or if you've really enjoyed anything in this episode you'd like to give back in a monetary value you can hit us up at patreon we are patreon.com slash devastation tiers start from as little as one dollar per month that's roughly 20 25 cents per episode the uh, podcast is brought to you by manleek.com you can go to their website and use the promo code HOFD5 to get 5% off your entire order if you want to find me on my own personal social media on twitter I am at peachgardenoaf it's oaf of an F facebook I'm Joe Loudon you can find me in pretty much any of the magic groups also stream uh, every Friday night on twitch we do something magic related it's FNM so we did a box opening last week we're going to be playing some legacy this Friday I think it's going to be fun that's twitch.tv slash peachgardenoaf uh, you can find me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. Thanks. Uh, if you really want to. Uh, Chris, where can people find you? If you find want me everywhere. You. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you're interested in seeing photos of me uh, filling in potholes or picking up litter around Oxford, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at uh, ChrisJarvisDIY. Uh, I also talk about other things as well. Um, and also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cj dot chris jarvis um yeah but uh don't do that go and donate to patreon now <laughs> head to patreon.com slash whatever it was um and uh yeah give the monies thanks man and once again we are approaching the second hour the god pharaoh has returned so we'll see you again next week on our devastation